Well, good morning. Those of you that are in-house and online, thanks for joining us this weekend. And I was talking to Carol on the way here, and I thought, have we ever done this before? And she said, no. <laughs> she knew right away. And I was like, I think we have. No, we haven't. So this is kind of an experiment. We'll see how it goes. This is my wife, Carol, and she's joining me. So we're very excited about that. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we've been talking about marriage. And last weekend, we talked about Ephesians, where Paul says, you know, uh, husbands love your wives, wives submit to your, you know, husbands. We talked about the, that, you know, respect and, and love and, and all of that. And probably in a marriage, in a relationship, the, the number one area where you have to be on the same page, you have to be on the same team, is with the kids. Uh, if you're not on the same page with the kids, you know, it's going to be a major problem. So here's a picture of our family. This is from like two years ago. It's not the most recent. Uh, we have another grandchild that was born since then. Uh, but that being said, um, we have five boys, and uh, we're not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination. We've made huge mistakes. I've made most of them, uh, probably 80 or 90%. And uh, so she fixes most of the mistakes that I make. She's like the spackle of our family. And so that's a good thing. Uh, but we, what we want to do is we want to talk just a little bit about kind of things that we've learned over the years, and we're still learning. And sometimes that's hard because I thought I was done learning as a parent, and my kids keep reminding me that I'm not done, and they're all out of the house. So there you go. Uh, so that being said, here's the thing. Parenting is a lot like golf. It looks easy until you get out on the course right? You, you see people hit straight balls down the fairway. You go, I think I could do that. And you get out there and you can't hit it straight to save your life. And no matter what people say, I'll try this, try, it doesn't work, okay? I heard a, a story about a pastor and he was uh, deciding very early in his ministry before they had any children. He decided to come up with a title for his message and it was 10 Ironclad Promises and Principles of How to Raise Good and Godly Kids. That was the message. And then God blessed them with three or four kids. And about five, ten years later, he did another series, and he said, this series was five suggestions for raising your children. Then God gave him a couple more children in a few more years, and it was one principle of how to survive parenting. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way it is, isn't it? You're like, how am I going to survive through all of this? So we want to talk about it, we want to give some practical principles, but let's look at the passage that we're looking at this week, and it's from Ephesians chapter uh, 6, and it's just the first four verses. Let me read that to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers... Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So that's the passage we want to look at. I want to let Carol just talk about that first principle. Okay, so the first principle is children, obey your parents and honor your parents. So most parents are loving and want what's best for their kids, right? So children, and I see there are some here, some big, some little, and probably a whole <laughs> bunch over in the other room and over there. The Bible says you're supposed to obey your parents. So as a parent, I want you to know, and I've been really involved, just a little caveat, we have a ministry here called MOPS, 
and I've been quite involved in that. So some of my MOPS alumni here might have heard all these sayings I'm saying. They've heard them before. Mothers of preschoolers. Mo yes. It's okay to be the boss with your children. It's okay for you to be in charge, okay? So children obey your parents. It's okay for you to show them this in Ephesians 6. The Bible says, right? Call for backup. God says <laughs> you're supposed to obey. And even if you look back in the Old Testament, Exodus 20, verse 12, one of the Ten Commandments. Now, I know Miss Deanna and Aunt Lori were teaching the Ten Commandments. I think it was last summer. So if your kids were involved in that, they've heard these Ten Commandments before. Number five. Honor your father and mother. So if you need to call for backup, mama, daddy, you call and you get the Bible out and show them. Okay? And it's okay to talk about that and encourage them to do that. Because that's important, right? Because if kids learn, I have teachers here, I think, if kids learn to obey their parents, then they'll listen to their teacher. Then they'll do what their boss says and show up for work. Then they won't be hanging out with the police officer, mm -hmm. right? So obeying your parents is very important and honoring your parents. But. So I want to talk about a couple of disclaimers. And for some of you that are here or watching, you're online, you're watching, um, it, it's very easy for you to check out and say, well, I don't have any children, but you are a child and you do have parents. And if your parents are still alive, there's something here for you. So I want you to kind of get into that. And then this is kind of where I'm going to scratch that a little bit. What the, the disclaimer I have is, it says honor your parents, but what if you have bad parents? What if your parents aren't very good? What if they're just negligent? What do you do then? You know, and, and so what do you do there? It's interesting what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, love your parents. Sometimes it's hard to love your parents. Some of you have grown up and you've had bad parents, and it's hard for you as an, as an adult or as a younger adult, uh, you know, adult, it's hard for you to love your parents because your parents haven't been very good. It's hard to, to and you, you're saying that love. He doesn't say love your parents. And he doesn't say even admire your parents because some parents, it's hard to admire them because their behavior and their actions don't, don't, lead you to that at all and it doesn't say interestingly enough it doesn't say trust your parents now we would hope that you are a parent or that you were raised with parents that you could trust but you know what there are some untrustworthy unhealthy parents out there and you shouldn't trust them and the bible doesn't tell you to trust them what it does say though is that you ought to honor them and honor is something that everyone can do it's an act of the will and it's showing respect it's showing uh you know, good manners. It's, you know, it's, it's making a moral choice. It doesn't rely upon your feelings. It's an opportunity for you to say, even though I disagree with you, even though I don't, maybe don't love you, and even though I don't admire you, I can still honor you because you hold a position. And even though you haven't done a very good job, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to show you dignity. I'm going to show you respect. I'm going to treat you with courtesy. We can do that. Even with, and I love some of you who are here and some of you who are watching, you have parents and you now are an adult and you have parents that are alive, but they're, they're like older, like they're, they're older. And you have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus to, to manage and help them. And as much as they're willing to, 
help, right? You have some limitations. But I love this passage from uh, 1 Timothy. What does he say? He says this. He says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So if you are grown up and you have an adult parent, you have a parent who's still alive, you have a responsibility. Now, I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know if it's an arm's length relationship, but you can still show them honor and respect and dignity. Let me give you one other one, another disclaimer. There are some people that say, well, there's a generational curse. The Bible talks about the sins of the fathers following from generation to generation. And maybe you were raised in a home where there was alcoholism, there was abuse, there was different things going on. And, And the idea there is, well, then I'm caught in this, this, this bad vortex, and I can't get out of it, and, and I'm just going to grow up just to be like my parents. So there's, there's this curse that's come upon me. And you know what? You may live under the consequences and the sins of your parents, but you don't have to repeat them. You don't have to be part of what they were. You can break the cycle, and uh, that's an encouraging thing. One of the passages that I love in 1 Corinthians is Paul, basically, he lists all these sins. He says, you were this and this and this, and he lists this whole list of sins, and there's some pretty bad things in there. And then he says this, and this is 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and this is what some of you were. You aren't anymore, right? The pattern is broken. Notice what he says. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. You aren't that. You, the pattern is broken. And that's such an encouragement to know that even though you were raised and you had bad parents and even parents that weren't your parents, and you can break the pattern. You don't have to follow the pattern. Another scripture that goes along with that is from 2 Corinthians, and that is 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Amen. And I know that Matt and I have friends, and maybe you do too, that had difficult family situations growing up. We have friends, the man grew up in a broken home, and the woman grew up in an alcoholic home. And you know, I'm spoiled. I I grew up in an intact family that loved Jesus. So I have a strong foundation. So on those days when I don't know what to do, I think back on how I was raised. But my friends, they don't have that. And I think about them, like I'm taking a well-worn path, and they have a machete cutting through to make a path. But they are doing it because of what Christ has done in their lives and now in their family. So another thing, we want to talk about the second part of the Ephesians 6. And it says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. But honestly, moms, we can do that too, right? So I'm going to say, parents, don't exasperate your children. We understand that when you parent, when you live with anybody, but when you live with these small people who grow into bigger people, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be days, right? There's going to be days of somebody on the floor throwing a fit. Hopefully it's not you, right? (laughs) Hopefully it's the child, not you. 
or there's going to be arguments with a teenager. There's going to be conflict, right? But there are some ways that we can parent that are actually harmful to our children in the long run. The first one of those, and I'm sure you've heard this term before, is called helicopter parenting. The helicopter parent overparents their child. They micromanage every detail of the child's life. They're big on rules, right? And you think about this person, they want to have control, right? They're so worried about control of the child. In the long run, generally, the result of helicopter parenting is either a child who wants to have nothing to do with that parent, right? A hard heart toward the parent or a child that's codependent upon the parent. Neither one of those is the goal that we're looking for, right? We, we're supposed to be working ourselves out of a job here, right? They're not supposed to need you every minute when they're an adult. So Josh McDowell, who that ages me a few years, he had a bunch of books out, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And one of the things that he used to say is rules without relationship equals rebellion. So as parents, we need to be careful not to have too many rules and forget about the relationship. Mm -hmm. So the second one that we want... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I jumped Weren't in. Aren't you going to talk about the prodigal son? And then I'll do that. Oh, other okay. Part. So one of the things that... We did this. We did. I, I, it was my mistake. We actually. did something like this with mops, and we just had one mic, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> but you know, I was thinking about the prodigal son, Luke 15, and it's very interesting because we think about rebellion, and rebellion is one of those things that you know the younger son. It's outright rebellion. You know he's rebelling. I'm going to go, and I'm just going to blow my money and live sinfully. I mean, it's very clear. But then the older son is there, right? He's the good son, right? No, he's rebelling too. You just don't see it. There's a passive-aggressive thing going on. So rebellion can be outrightly and very visible. It could be very private, very quiet. So you just have to know your kids and just say, okay, what's going on here? And kind of diffuse right. it. So some of the things that we do as helicopter parents. Okay, and so, like, I'm going to tell you, I did all this stuff, okay? I did all of it. So there's grace in there. Sometimes we expect too much of our kids especially the oldest child, right? We can expect too much of them to the point where when my oldest son was getting ready to go to college, I apologized to him. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but everything you're going through for the first time, I'm going through for the first time. Yeah. Right? Another thing that we do is we look to the child to get our own validation. Mm -mm, shouldn't be doing that. Did that. I did that too. So my oldest child, again, he would wear whatever I put out for him, right? So when he went to kindergarten, remember this was a while ago because he's a parent now himself, he wore the little preppy polo shirt and the little jeans. He looked really cute, right? Well, then I had a couple more kids. And that middle child... I'm like, wait a minute, I have all boys. I'm not supposed to have wardrobe wars, right? He's just a little guy, and he wants to wear the same pair of sweatpants every day. 
right? So we're having this battle back and forth. And you know what dawned on me? It dawned on me that when my oldest son dressed the way I wanted, it made me feel like a good parent. That's not the right reason, right? That's not the right reason to make him dress in a polo shirt or whatever. And so I was looking for validation for myself. Another thing that people do, and I'm sure you've seen a baseball movie about this or a football movie about it or something, is parents inadvertently try to live vicariously through their child. They want their child to go further than they did in their sport or whatever, right, than they did. And it doesn't have to be sports, really. It can be academics, it can be music, it can be anything but we're not to live vicariously through our kids because that will disappoint us. Your goal as a parent is to launch your child. And I'm gonna turn it back to you. So the second uh, group we wanna talk about is free range parents. Free range parents just want their kids to decide for themselves. There are no boundaries, there's no rules. They want them to go ahead and decide what time they go to bed, what they wear, whether they're going to take a bath, take a shower, uh, hygiene, all those different things. And of course, I'm you know painting, a, 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 you know, painting it very loosely here, but uh, they tend to want to be their buddy. They want to be a buddy, and for a short period of time, it seems like it works, but in long range, it leads to huge, huge problems because kids aren't old enough to set the boundaries. They are not old enough to raise themselves. They need help with that. They need boundaries that are reasonable that, that go out or come in, but depending on how old they are. And you have to hold the line on that. They desperately need it. Uh, if you really love your child, um, you'll set boundaries, reasonable ones, we'll talk about that, and you'll hold the line. It's really important to do that. But this whole idea of just letting our kids decide, I think that just frustrates a lot of kids. And sometimes it, it's done because the parents aren't there, they're absent, they're not engaged, they're not, taking, they're not doing their role, and they leave it up to the kids. And that's just raising just a tremendous mess in our culture today. Uh, this is not a good thing. And what, now I want to give a side note, because in both of those over control or under control, there's a couple things that I've heard. I've heard a couple parents say this, and it's mostly the people that are kind of over control, over controlling parents. The, um, and the idea there is they'll say something like this. Um, we're going to let our, ch and it sounds very, you know, hip, you know, it's very cool. We're going to let our children decide for themselves how they're, what, what faith they believe in or, or what they think about God. We don't want to we don't want to, to, to make their mind, we don't want to influ influence them. We don't want them, you know, to be, you know, we don't, because we just don't know, you know, or they'll say something like that. Now, here's the problem with that. They'll tell them, if, if their child wakes up and says, you know, I decided I don't want to go to school today or ever, they'll go, oh, you are going to school. If they say, you know, I just don't feel like I want to do hygiene anymore. I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to take a bath. I don't want to take a shower. I don't want to do any of that. Oh, yes, you will, because you stink. You know, you, you'll manage, I think I want to eat candy all the time. No, you're not going to eat candy all the time. You're going to eat what I'm going to tell you. But this one area, this one area, it's hands off. You decide, Johnny, what you want to do. By the way, you can't drive, Johnny. So, you are setting yourself up. Listen, if you aren't helping your child lay a foundation for faith in Jesus Christ, you are doing 
them a tremendous disservice. This is going to be their ethical basis. This is going to be their hope. This is going to be their, their eternity. If you are just saying, you know, I'll let them figure it out, you are just doing a tremendous disservice to your child. So let me just, I've heard too many parents say that. I'm going to let them decide. And I point that out. Well, you don't let them decide anything else. This would be an area you might want to weigh in on a little bit. So just, just so you know that. Um, I love a pass. The passage that I love here is, is an Old Testament passage. It's a very famous passage, and it's called the Shema, it, the Jewish people. And they use the word Shema because it means, the, the word, the Hebrew word literally means hear, hear, O Israel. It's Shema. And, it, and let me read it to you. It's Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, this ought to be front and center all the time. Lay this foundation of faith for your kids. Don't, don't, negate, don't negate it. Don't say, well, they'll figure it out someday. Take the lead in this area. A third type of parenting is ostrich parenting. And this happens more when the kids get older, say middle school, high school, maybe even college. Okay, this is purposely not paying attention because you don't want to deal with it. We get it. You're tired, right? Some of you may have the don't ask, don't tell policy, right? I'm not really sure what time they got home last night. I'm not really sure, you know, what they were doing or who they were with. Oh, hmm, the car's in the driveway. Okay, everything's okay. And I'm not going to ask about it. This is a not good, not a good type of parenting, okay? <laughs> Other people don't do it because they feel guilty, right? Yeah. Because they remember what they were doing right? At that age, at that time, a night, or whatever. And they feel like they don't have the integrity to tell their kid not to do it. And I would just encourage you, I always have wanted my kids to learn from other people's mistakes rather than having to make all the mistakes themselves. And I would think if there are mistakes that you made as a teenager or a college age person that you still have consequences for, you don't want your kids to have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So tell them, say, you can even say, hey, I did this, it's a bad idea, right? It takes courage to be a good parent, and if they're still in your house, you still have time to influence them, to make a difference. Ask God to help you. Don't throw in the towel before the whistle blows. Game's not over yet. There's a scripture in Galatians, Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So for you, I say, don't give up. Yeah. So we're, gonna, we're almost out of time, but we're going to talk about a few tips of how to win the hearts of your kids. First of all, treat your kids differently because they're different, right? I got five kids, same parents, same house. Everyone is different. 
It might have to do with a different personality. It might be different gender. It might be their order in the family. They're wired different. So we need to relate to them differently. And we need to find a way to connect with each one of them. Talk about little birth order, because you did that at the first service. Well, birth order can make a difference, right? I'm big on birth order. I think it's awful fun to study about. But that oldest child, right, with those perfectionistic tendencies who gets upset when things don't go just right, right? And then you got another one that's just chill. Why didn't you do your homework? Didn't feel like it. Right? And then you got the little one, happy, 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 makes everybody happy, you know. So birth order can make a difference too. And one of the things that was really frustrating with me, so I grew up and I had five brothers, all boys. And, uh, so he's one of six. One of six, right. So, and I was right in the middle. And so one of the things that was frustrating to me is when my mom would get mad at one of my brothers and yell at me. That just frustrated me. And I remember multiple times saying, Mom, I didn't do it. It was you know, this person or this one or this one. I didn't do it. Why are you yelling at me? You know, and she was venting, but she was venting on me. And that was frustrating to me. And I think sometimes we do that. Sometimes we tend to look at all of them as the same. They're not the same. You know, some of our kids need an arm around the shoulder and they need a word of encouragement. Some of our kids need a kick in the butt, right? And you need to know when and who and how to do it. It's tricky to do it. But if you can connect with each kid uh, individually, that's really a powerful thing to do. Um, second thing we want to talk about is, you, and I've talked about this recently, your kids have to know. One of the things your wife needs to know is that you choose her over everyone and everything. One of the things your kids need to know is you're always going to be in their corner. You'll always be there for them. There'll never be anything that they do, anything that they say, that will sever that. There'll never be any, any time that they will think, they will wake up, hopefully your kids wake up every day and know you're in their corner. Now, you could be disappointed with them, and you could say, you know, I'm disappointed with this. I'm, I expected more. This is not who you are. You can say that, but you, you, you always affirm in them, I will never not, I know that's bad English, be in your corner. I will always be in your corner. There's never going to be, there's nothing you can do that's going to change that. I'm never going to give up on you. I'm always going to be there. They need to know that. You need to continually reaffirm that. Because one of the things that I know, especially in the last year and a half, especially in, in the way our culture is today, if your kids don't know that you're in their corner, that you are always going to be there for them, that, that will give them a tremendous amount of confidence or it will leave them wondering. Don't leave them wondering. Say it, say it often. Another thing is to set reasonable boundaries. We don't mean don't have any rules. You need to have some rules. But, and, you know, when they're littler, you have to have more rules, right? Because you're trying to help them not kill themselves, right? By sticking their finger in the light so socket or running out in the street. But gradually, as they grow, you pull back on the rules and give more responsibilities and more privileges. And as they get more privileges... If that doesn't go, if they're not responsible, then you pull back, right? It's a real push-pull situation there. But it is good to have boundaries, and it's good to think through them ahead of time, if you can, right? So that they kind of make sense, right? So I'll give you a couple of boundaries that we had, okay? Or, or rules, maybe. I assign seats at the dinner table. 
Why? Because if I didn't, every meal would be fighting over who sits where, right? So it was good just to make a rule so it was non-negotiable, right? We also assigned seats in the car. So I'm not really sure what the rule is now, how old you have to be to sit in the front. So our rule was the oldest kid got to sit in the front. So I don't know how old, you gotta be pretty old to sit in the front now. But that meant whoever was the oldest in the car at the time had the privilege. There was no discussion, no argument about it. Another rule that we made that, I don't know, turned out to be really good. I don't really know that we planned it this that way. This is a good rule for teenagers. Well, we made it when they were little. Yeah. When they were little. You're not allowed to go in a friend's house if, if an adult is not home. You're not allowed to have a friend in our house if an adult is not at home for their safety. We did it when they were little so that when they were teenagers, several times, we would be pulling up to the driveway and there'd be our son sitting in the grass with his girlfriend outside. <laughs> so that was a good one. But you don't want to have so many rules that you can't even remember them. But mom, you said that blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, I forgot, right? You don't want to have so many rules you can't remember what they are. Yeah. The rules change as the kids get older. The boundaries change. But I think that freedom one is so important, the, the giving and taking of freedom. Uh, because your kids are all different. Some kids are going to be super responsible, and you trust them, and you know they're going to make good decisions. Other kids, yeah, you, you kind of got to... Baby steps, baby steps. Okay, we're going to pull you back. Baby steps, baby steps. And here's the thing. You want your kids to fail when they're with you and learn and use it as a learning tool. Failure is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Acknowledge it. Deal with it. Because you don't want them to have their first major failure when they're away. And they do some damage that will harm them for life. So allow them to fail. Learn from those lessons. And if they can't handle the freedom, pull them back. But the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is to launch your kids to give them freedom. One last thing I want to just share with you. So I think one of the po most powerful things you can do, especially if a husband and wife is, especially a father, especially with sons, is that you admit it when you're wrong, that you confess your sin to them, that you acknowledge when you blow it. Because I, you know, unfortunately I see too many parents that are kind of never going to acknowledge that they failed, that they sinned, that they did something wrong. And kids absolutely know that you failed. They know that you were wrong. They know. And so the best thing to do is to say, you know what? I did this. It was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And ask for their forgiveness. And, you know, depending on how old they are, you have to take that into account. But one of the most powerful things to do is to admit it that you don't always get it right, that you're not always on, on, on the mark, that you make mistakes, you say things you shouldn't have said, and you acknowledge that. Now, here's what this does. Your kids, if you don't acknowledge that, if you just kind of play like, well, I said it, and it's the way I am, and I'm the dictator, and all that, you can do that if you want. But it's much more powerful to just say, you know what? I, I behaved badly here. It was wrong. I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to do that. That's not who I should be, and I want you to know that, that I failed here in this area. What you've just done is you've, you, instead of trying to hold the line and being something that they already know you're not, you pull yourself back, you become incredible, you become transparent, and you point them to God. Because you say, I failed, not just you, but I failed God here. 
And so they realized, I can't always be there to watch what they're doing, but God can. And so now I say, don't live for me or to my standard, because I blow it, live to his standard, because he never blows it. He never gets it wrong. And so, you know, that's really an important thing to do, to be transparent, acknowledge your failure with the kids, tell them that you're struggling with it. And, you know, obviously you have to be smart about how you share this. And as they get older, you do that. Um, So I want to talk about one last thing, and here it is. So in the Life Group Guide, if you go online, uh, we have resources. So maybe you're a parent with young children, and you don't have a, a time, a devotional time, before they go to bed or something like that, and you don't know where to begin or how to do it, we've got some resources there. You can go there and find some good resources that'll help you get started. You may have a, a, a middle, uh, you know, elementary or older kid, and you want to help them in their devotional time or help them in some of the issues, we've got some resources there. <coughs> we've got some resources there for teens. We've got some resources there. One of the resources that, that, that I've kind of had to learn is now I have adult children. And we, you relate to your adult children very differently than when they were younger. And if you carry that relationship in, in the teen or even in the 20, before the, you know, they're out and they're launched, if you carry that in, you're going to make huge mistakes. A couple years ago, I made a huge mistake, huge mistake, because I didn't realize the formula had changed, the, the equation had tra- changed. And so I had to learn. And so still learning, still, you know, still making mistakes. There's a great, couple great resources there. And then some of you have adult parents. And now you're dealing with them because they're getting older. They're not able to take care of themselves. Or they're getting to that place where you have to make hard decisions. And there's a couple resources in there to help you with that. Because you do have a responsibility. Uh, even if they were bad parents, you'd still have a responsibility. Now, I don't know if you have to have arm's length or closer, what that looks like. But this, these are just some resources out there. Because whether you have children you are a child, and we all have responsibilities in those areas. We're all going to fail. We're not ever going to get it all get it right, but hopefully some of the things we've talked about will be helpful as a, as a parent with little children, middle school or high school kids, or even you've launched your kids and you're, you're trying to crack that nut. Okay, how do we have a relationship with these kids, and how does that, what does that look like? Uh, yeah, it's all a challenge, or you have parents. You know, we have, you know, Carol has parents uh, that now we're we're saying, how do we honor them? How do we, you know, do the right thing with them? It's a challenge, and we haven't figured it out, but we're working on it. So anyway, I want to just close our time. Would you stand with me? Let's just pray about this, because we all need the Lord's help in this. This is a hard thing to do, and we want to do the right thing, because we know it's really important, and uh, let's, uh, let's ask for God's help. And so, Father, we do ask for your help, because this is an area that we all struggle with, we all need help, we all make uh, mistakes, but thank you we can call you Father, that you love us, that you're always in our corner, and help us to take encouragement in that. Help us, help the parents that are gathered, that are listening online, who have little children, young children, to be the parents you've called them to be. Give them the energy that they need. Help them to do the right thing, even when they're exhausted. Uh, Pray for, Father, those parents that have uh, middle school, high school kids, the challenges change. Kids are growing up. They're going through different stages physically and emotionally and socially. And uh, j- friendships and all those different things are going on. And uh, they're wanting more and more independence. Help them in the decisions they have to make. Father, for those who have sent off their, their kids off to college, maybe for the first time, now they're making their decisions. And uh, 
you just pray, <laughs> Father, we just pray for those kids and those parents because those are scary times. And then as they choose who they're going to marry or where they're going to work or all the major decisions of life that will direct their lives for the next uh, whom, however many years, we just pray uh, that you'd help us to still be in the corner and to be a good uh, encouragement to them and help to them. But we lose control and it's, it's frustrating, it's discouraging, and yet it's important and it's necessary. And then for those, Father, here who have parents who are aging, help us to show them dignity, respect, and courtesy and help them to help us to help them as much as we can. Father, we need your help. There are no perfect parents in this room. There are no perfect per parents online. But thank you that as long as we have a breath, as long as we have a pulse, we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of our children, in the lives of our, our teens, in the lives of our kids, in the lives of our parents. And so help us to do that, Father. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.